let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that we can be here to say that death has no power over us. That we have life and life eternal and we already have eternal life. And for us, death is life. And for us, this world is only preparation for the so much better world to come. So Father, speak to us with that truth wherever we need to hear that truth. Whether it's for us or somebody we love who's died or somebody we're concerned about or whatever the issue might be, Lord. Whatever the fear might be, whatever the, the pain or the grief or the guilt or the issue might be, Lord. Speak to us at that very point and help us to claim that fact in our souls, in our minds, in our lives. I pray for me and for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we looked at this image, not photoshopped, real thing, great white shark following a guy in a kayak who's not as big as the great white shark and looks a little concerned and should be, right? And we said last week that's kind of the way the world feels, doesn't it? Well, that is the way the world is. I just saw a couple days ago this fellow, well, you can't see him very well there, was killed by a shark attack not long ago off the coast of Brazil. This man was bitten by a great white shark last month off the coast of San Francisco. Nonetheless, there are some folks in Australia, some authorities there, who would like us to stop calling these shark attacks. They would like us to call them incidents. Or if you've had a negative incident, they would like you to call it a negative encounter with the shark. I'm not sure Jaws would have worked as negative encounters, as incidents, but we are good at euphemisms, aren't we? We love when we're not certain about something, when we can't predict something, when we can't control something. We love to relabel it in a way that makes it seem less threatening. We do that especially, of course, with death. Nobody ever dies in our culture. You notice that? They pass on, or they pass away, or they go on, or they're the dearly departed, because we don't like to use words that describe realities of which we're afraid. But the world doesn't cooperate very well. This morning, before I came to chapel, I checked 185 deaths now in Europe from the flooding going on there. As of this morning, they expect there to be many more, many more that are missing. Coronavirus pandemic, as of this morning, Johns Hopkins, 4,087,000 deaths as of today. We're up to 97 deaths with the Surfside condominium collapse. Yesterday, you may have seen the news, there was some kind of a gas leak at a water park outside of Houston, Texas. 65 people sickened, one of them in critical condition. Yesterday, during the Washington Nationals baseball game, there was a shooting outside the baseball stadium. Three people were injured. They had to suspend the game had to suspend the baseball game. We live in a dangerous world, don't we? And it's in the midst of all of that that you and I especially need the faith we've come together today to celebrate. I love this statement by Martin Luther. Every man must do two things alone. He must do his own believing and his own dying. So let's see how the first relates to the second. This summer we're talking about hard questions, tough issues. We're using these to see how we can know Jesus more effectively. So today, let's just talk about what the news won't let us forget about, what we can't euphemistically explain away. 
Let's talk about this for just a bit. We're going to look, first of all, at why non-believers fear death, why Christians fear death, and how not to fear death. How you can leave today not being afraid, but in fact being liberated by the good news of God's love. So first of all, why non-believers fear death? Well, one reason we've discussed this is we always fear the unknown. It's just human nature, isn't it? It's human nature, actually a God-given impulse to be afraid of a cave in which a predator might be hiding. You ought to be afraid of a snake if you're walking around out here on the trails. It's a good thing to be afraid of what we don't know. Might be a garden variety grass snake, might be a rattlesnake. Best to be afraid of what we don't know, human nature. Well, for non-believers especially, death is the great unknown. Non-believers believe no one's ever come back from the other side. No way to know what's on the other side. Do you simply go away when you die? It's what Woody Allen says. You simply die, and then poof, you're gone. Is his theological language. It's what he says happens. Are you reincarnated? Is there a heaven? Do you go to heaven? Do you go to hell? Is there a purgatory? What happens when you die? Non-believers don't know, but our society has solved the problem. Our postmodern culture says your truth is the truth. Whatever you believe is true for you, it's your truth, right? That's why the guy said to me not long ago, I don't believe in hell. As though that changes hell. He was convinced he didn't have to worry about hell because he doesn't believe in hell. It's a satanic deception to make non-believers not fear what they should especially fear. If I don't believe in cancer, that doesn't mean I can't get cancer, right? If I don't believe in car accidents, that doesn't mean we necessarily are safe. Driving back to Dallas, we're going to get on the tollway here in a little while, and I better believe in car accidents, right? But that's what our culture has come to believe, is there is no such thing as hell if I don't believe in hell. If I don't believe in an afterlife, I don't have to worry about an afterlife. That's what the culture has come to believe. It's a satanic deception. That's what the enemy would like you to believe about lost people. You may know what happens to you when you die, but don't worry about them. You may believe in heaven, but that's okay if they don't. You may believe that you need Jesus, but that's okay if they don't. And you and I might say we would never agree with that theology, but if we're not sharing our faith, we're living that theology. If in my heart of hearts, I really don't believe that that good guy who lives just down the street from me, who loves his kids and is good at his work and makes a difference in the community, if in my heart of hearts, I don't believe that he needs Jesus so he won't go to hell, I'm less likely to take the risk of offending him by sharing Jesus, right? I had an evangelism professor in seminary that said he believed 98% of evangelical Christians are practicing universalists. We wouldn't agree with that theologically. We'd say, yes, you need Jesus. Yes, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And the Bible says salvation's in no other name because uh, the Bible's so clear about that, that you need Jesus to go to heaven. But I don't want to be offensive. And I don't want to be offensive. And so I would never agree theologically that your truth is your truth, but if I'm not sharing the truth, I'm living that truth out. Well, why is it that Christians fear death? As we do, we all do. Here are some reasons. First of all, some of us aren't certain of our own salvation. 
We're not sure we've asked Jesus to be our Savior and Lord. If you're not sure of that, let me urge you to be sure of that today. Get alone with Jesus today. Ask Him to forgive your mistakes. Ask Him to be your Lord. He will answer your prayer. And then tell someone what you've done so they can help you grow in your faith. If you're not sure what will happen when you die, it's not safe to leave this room. In fact, you're not safe in this room. You know? Janet and I were part of a wedding where the grandfather of the bride passed out right there in this chapel. And we had to call the paramedics. I've never had anyone die while I was preaching, but I know others. I've had some that thought they did probably, you know, or maybe wish they did. But I've known other pastors that did. Charles Spurgeon talked one time about preaching on heaven and the glories of heaven and how glorious heaven was. And there was a lady that was, whoa, there we go. And there was a lady right in the front. Now, now we're awake for a minute. And there was a lady right in the front. He said her face was transfixed and her gaze was, was, was glorious and she was so focused. And then he realized she had just gone there. Tomorrow's not promised to anybody, right? If you're not sure, get sure today. It's one reason some Christians fear death. They're not sure themselves. Another reason is we don't want others to grieve. I don't want my kids, my grandkids to grieve. It's understandable. Feel that way. And then for some of us, we fear the experience of death. And why wouldn't we fear the pain, depending on how we die? And then for some of us, we don't want to be separated from those we love. It's understandable, right? It's the old story about the preacher that was preaching on heaven, asked everybody to raise their hands, the kids, if they wanted to go to heaven. Everybody but one boy raised his hand. And the preacher asked the boy, he said, well, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, yeah. He said, well, why didn't you raise your hand? And the boy said, well, I thought you were getting up a load right now. <laughs> you know? I don't want to go right now. Do you want to go right now? I mean, we should, Right? We know we should. We know in our theological minds that heaven is better than earth and eternity is better than temporality. And we know all of that. Next week, we're going to talk about that. What actually happens to believers when you die? Is there a purgatory? Do you go immediately to heaven? What's heaven like the moment you die? Well, don't have time today. We'll do that next week. We'll talk about all that. And next week, we're going to say that one second on the other side of death, you'll be so glad you died. I promise you, you will. One second on the other side. You'll be so glad you're there. I promise you that. We'll talk about that next week. But in my, while I know that in my head, I don't feel that in my heart. I mean, honestly, not being rhetorical. If the Lord said, you can go to heaven right now if you wish, I think I'd decline. I've got stuff to do. I'm busy. See me next week. See me in 10 years, right? Human nature to feel that way, even for believers. If we're not afraid of death, maybe we're afraid of death right now. So how do we respond to all that? We'll close with this. How should we view death? Let's take those four. First of all, be certain of your salvation. The Bible says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. You can know you have eternal life. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to hope. You can be certain. The analogy I like to use at this point, I, Jen and I pastor churches for a very long time. When we're meeting a new couple, we will sometimes, I'll sometimes ask if they're married. I've never had anyone say, you know, I think so. You know, I might be married. I believe in marriage. I think marriage is a good thing. I've been to a lot of weddings. I might be married. I've never had anyone, hope I never have anyone say that, right? 
Well, when you trust Jesus, it's like you're getting married to Jesus. If you've asked Jesus to forgive your sins and be your Savior, then you know you've done that. The Bible nowhere says how it feels to do that. Don't worry about that. I had no feelings at all. When I trusted Christ as a 15-year-old in 1973, it bothered me for years that I had none of the feelings other people talked about. The people, they get up to share their testimony, as they say. Uh, usually the hell's angels that got converted or somebody that had some horrible previous life and now they know Jesus. And they talk about this huge weight that got lifted. They talk about this huge emotional experience. I had none of that. My brother became a Christian six months after I did, and he wept, and I thought, what's wrong with me? It took me a long time to figure out. The Bible nowhere says how it feels to trust in Christ. Your feelings can depend on the pizza you had for supper last night. Feelings come and go. If you know that you've asked Jesus to forgive your sins and be your Lord, I promise you, you are, you are saved. I promise you, you have eternal life on the authority of God's Word. I promise you, he promised, it's not mine, it says he promises that you have eternal life. Don't let the enemy mess with you there, all right? Be certain of that. You can be sure of that today. And if you don't know you've gotten married, get married to Jesus today. What about that second point, trusting those you love to God? Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Grave of Lazarus, remember that? After Lazarus dies and Jesus shows up after Lazarus' death and Mary and Martha are there, the sisters, and they're frustrated with Jesus. They didn't come earlier like they wanted him to and thought that he should. And it says Jesus wept. Well, Jesus wept for Lazarus, maybe, but Lazarus is in heaven. If Jesus wept for Lazarus, it was because he was about to bring him from heaven back to earth. Feel sorry for Lazarus. Maybe Jesus wept for himself because he was human and he grieved Lazarus. But I think Jesus was mainly weeping for Martha and Mary. I think he was grieving with them. Because the Bible says God grieves with those who grieve. God mourns with those who mourn. The day of the Lord calls you home. Those that grieve you, I can promise you, if they'll turn to Jesus, will have the comfort, the encouragement, and the hope of your Lord. He will walk with them. He will sustain them. He will carry them. He will be their shepherd through that. I mentioned last week when my father died, when I was in college, and I shook my fist at God, but he didn't shake his fist at me. Nothing your loved ones can do to make God love them any less or any more. You can trust them to him. Well, that third question, what happens when you die? Again, we'll say more next week, but very briefly. The Bible says, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. When you die, you don't. When you take your last breath here, you take your first breath there. When you close your eyes here, you open your eyes there. There is never a moment you cease to be. You step out of the car and you go into the house. Now, the rest of us are still driving around in our cars. We see your car parked on the driveway. We can't see you inside the house. But that makes you no less real inside the house, right? Well, I've been up here talking. I've been seeing some people driving back and forth out there. They can see our cars out there. They can't see us in here. But that doesn't mean we don't exist. Just because our cars, our empty cars are parked outside the house, right? That's 
what happens. Jesus said, he who lives and believes in me shall never die. The Bible adds, Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus comes and gets you. Jesus comes and takes you. I don't have time today, but next week I want to tell you an amazing story that I heard a pastor share at the graveside of a funeral service and how Jesus and the angel showed up. That's what God does in the moment you die. You don't have to be afraid of that. Well, one last thing that we wonder, what happens because you have died? My desire is to depart and be with Christ. You are with Christ. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. A metaphor for the presence of God. Paul said we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You are with the Lord. Revelation 14 says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. So I can summarize all of that with this verse. Psalm 116 verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Because in that moment you are home and you are well. There's a story about a fellow that dies. He's in heaven. His wife is already there. He sees his wife there. He looks around at the incredible glories with which he is surrounded in this paradise of God. And he turns to his wife and he says, now I'm mad at you. And she says, why? And he says, I'd have been here 10 years sooner if it wasn't for all those bran muffins you made me eat. One second on the other side, you'll be so glad you're there. So, if you're at that place where you're not sure you've trusted Jesus, please trust Him today. Ask Him to forgive your sin and be your Lord. If you've done that, then know that you know it, because you do. Know that your loved ones will be well. Know that the moment of death, whatever death is, is that moment of life. And know that where you are is where you've been spending all your life getting ready to be. The poet says it this way, think of stepping on ground and finding it celestial, of breathing air and finding it heavenly, of hearing music and finding it angelic, of feeling a touch and finding it God. That's what's waiting for you on the other side of all of this. This is the dash between the dates. On your gravestone someday, unless the Lord returns first, there's the day, the year you were born, there was the year you died. This is the dash in between. This is the dot before the line. But one day you'll get where all of this is just preparation. So I'll close with this. I have shared this in funerals for so many years. It always encourages me. Imagine yourself standing at the dock at a great port. And somebody you love is on that ship. And they're getting ready to take a voyage. And you're left behind on this side. And so you and your family and friends are standing at the pier. And you're waving at your loved one that's on the ship. And they're waving back. And as you stand and you watch, the ship begins to pull away from the pier. And it makes its way out to sea. And you stand and you watch as the ship 
And its journey goes further and further and further until finally it disappears over the horizon. And you on this side say, there she goes. But in just that moment on the other side, there are other loved ones and other family and other friends. And they're watching as the ship appears as a dot. And then it gets larger and larger and larger. And they say to each other, there she comes. Let's pray. Of all the promises Christianity offers, this is the greatest. He who lives and believes in Jesus shall never die. Why do you need to know that today? Why do you need to do your own believing so you can prepare for your own dying? Is it someone you love that's died? Is it someone you love who's sick? Is it something in your own life? Physical issue? Fear of the future? Name what it is about death that causes you fear or grief or guilt or anxiety today. Just name it right now. And now turn that over to Jesus the resurrection and the life. Trust your loved one to him. Trust yourself to him. Trust your future, your past, your present to him. In your own words, just give that to him. If you don't know that you've trusted him as your Lord and Savior, please do that, even today. Make that commitment to him today. And give him all that is yours, trusting all that is his. Father God, we thank you that our times are in your hands. And that we can trust you with our life and our eternal life. That your son died that we might live and live forever. We claim this back in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Have a great week.